thank you, Lord, for this day that you have given us. Thank you for your extravagant love poured upon us through the sacrifice at Calvary, so demonstrated to our hearts. We can never thank you enough for such great love, and we just pray that this day you will be present in our midst and speak to our hearts and just show us and teach us from your word the things that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're at the book of James today, going through the Bible, we're coming towards the end here, and on the topic of God's Word, the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word of His power, all things are upheld by the Word of His power and the power of His Word, and the power of the Word as we express it and speak it and and embrace it and live it, living it is the key, okay? As we, we have to read it, then we have to understand it, and then we have to transfer it into our living. Every teacher in school is looking for trans, what they call transfer learning. That they teach, they teach a concept and then see that the student is able to transfer it into practical, practical ways. That shows that they understood it. And so God is looking for the same thing. That we read his word, we understand his word, we transfer it into our living. And James is a very practical book. Um, James is kind of like the book of Proverbs in the, in the Old Testament where it's um, little concept, it's not, it doesn't have like a story flow or like always a thought flow, but different snippets of, of uh, wisdom for us. So we're looking at chapter one, we're going to start with chapter one. And it tells us there in the very beginning, if you lack wisdom, ask of God that gives to all men liberally, or gives it simply, and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And so here we have this wonderful instruction that when we lack wisdom, we can ask of God. What a privilege this is. This includes our words, doesn't it? God expects us to come and ask when we have when we lack wisdom, how many every day? I mean, don't you find yourself saying, okay, Lord, I need wisdom. I need wisdom for this situation. I don't know what to do. This is beyond me. Help me. I've, I've, I've had the Lord give me thoughts and ideas, even with some computer work I, I was doing at different times where I was working on websites for people and I was kind of stuck and I couldn't figure it out. And I said, Lord, give me wisdom. Show me where to look. Show me what's wrong. And he did. He answered that prayer. All of a sudden, I was looking at all those codes, and I saw something, and I said, oh, okay, now I know where to look. And so, you know, but we have to ask. We have to ask. That's the that's key here, is God is not just, the, and I, I say this to you a lot, and I know I do, and don't think I don't know it, but it, it bears repeating. God's not just a, a Santa Claus or Superman. He doesn't just zap to throw things at us. He, he's, it's a relationship. It's a relationship where, where we get, where, where when we get in relationship with God, we tell Him our needs, we express things to Him, He responds to that. And so we have to understand that concept, that it's a relationship. It's a two-way street. Yes, God speaks, but we have to speak to Him as well. And so, um, that's really important. All right. And then going on in that chapter, 
down to verse um, 16. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Look at that. This says that we were born, the new birth was that we were be, we were born again by the word of his truth. That's it. That's the key. The word of truth. It's the word of truth. And in our world where truth is so relative, or people like to think truth is relative, God's truth isn't changing. His word of truth is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. It's been said that since we were blessed with two ears and one tongue, we should listen twice as much as we speak. <laughs> and there's some truth to it, isn't there? Sometimes if we speak too much, we get in trouble. And so be swift to hear. And you know, there's, I had friends. <coughs> There, I had dear friends who paid $75 an hour to learn how to listen to one another, communicate and listen to one another. Communication, listening skills don't come easily, unfortunately, because everybody wants to be heard, but not everybody loves to listen. <laughs> we always feel like we have so much to say about ourselves or whatever, but listening is a real gift that we can give to one another. And everyone needs to be listened to. If you have someone who you know listens to you, you are a more happy, content, satisfied person if there's the one person on the planet that actually listens to your words. And so this is a gift that we can give to one another to listen to one another and think about this amazing privilege we have that God listens to us. Wow, the God of the universe. Now think of all the people on the on the globe. That's mind-boggling all by itself. How does he do it? I don't know, but does he do it? He does. You know it and I know it from experience that when we've put something out there to him and he's answered specifically the detail to the minutia of our life, you go, Wow, oh my how how can you how you are an awesome God. You're an awesome God. How do you do that? But thankfully, we have this wonderful, wonderful privilege. Amen. All right. So, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. So, here it's telling us to receive the word as it comes to us, to receive it. We always have a choice, don't we? We can either rise up and say, no. I'm not receiving that. Oh, I don't want to hear that. Or we can humble ourselves and we can say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I receive it. I don't maybe you know, sometimes God's word hurts. Sometimes when the truth comes, sometimes it makes us squirm a little. Condemnation is from the devil, but conviction is from the Holy Spirit, right? Sometimes God's word convicts us. That's not to get, make us despair and give up. That's to help us to say, oh, I need to do that differently. I need your help, Lord. If you'll help me, I'll change. I thank you for showing me that. We never should despair when God's word makes us squirm a little or uncomfortable. We don't have to go out with our head down. That's 
thank you. Thank you for loving me enough to help me to understand that. I can, I, I'll change. By your help, I'll, I'll change. And so God, that's how he, he works. He speaks to us. The engrafted word. And be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Here we have it all in a nutshell. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. We can hear the word, hear the word, and nod our heads in assent and, and look like we get, we're getting it and not be getting it at all. Not have any of that transfer learning going on like I was talking about in the beginning. Okay? And that's not what God's looking for. God wants us to get it and live it. When, when really the word here in the Bible includes the, the doing. Not just, not just audio, not just the audio part, but that, but the doing of it, the obedience as well here. You know, we use that even in our, in our language, um, to mind, you know, to hear. Don't you hear what I say? We mean, why aren't you doing what I told you to do, right? It includes obedience. And again, obedience is not a popular word in our, in our culture. We don't want to obey anybody except ourselves. <laughs> but when we come into the kingdom of heaven, there's some obedience that's going to have to take place in our hearts if we want to follow the Lord and follow his word. And so be a doer. He is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, and behold, himself goes his way, straightway forgets what manner of man he was. Well, whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Wow. Okay? So there we have that emphasis that we need to take what we have and do it, what we understand. Mark Twain said, it's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that trouble me. It's the parts I do. <laughs> I know enough and I understand enough that, and that if I can do what I understand, I'll be in pretty good, I'll be doing okay. Yes, and the, it says here that the, that the scripture is like a mirror to show us, to reflect to us what our heart is like and where we're at. And so we want to make sure that we don't just look in the mirror if you look, get up in the morning and look in the mirror and see your hair is sticking up in every direction, you do something about it, right? Normally. <laughs> if you're going out, at least. Something, right. So, so that's what the mirror is there for, to help us to get an accurate picture of where we're at. And that's what I was saying before. The Holy, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, as we read it, we see something and go, uh-oh. I have to change. I have to get, I have to get the hairbrush out and fix that. I have to change something here. And so that's actually good. That's, that's good news. All right. Verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Here we have it about our words again. Okay. In other words, we can't be cutting each other up with our words behind each other's back and think that that's religious or that we're serving the Lord, that we're deceiving ourselves. That's what it says. It says we're deceiving ourselves. And yet, unfortunately, so much of this goes on within um, the church. And that's, that's it, it's, it needs to stop. It needs to stop. It needs to stop. We shouldn't be talking about each other behind each other's backs 
except to bless and to love one another. And if we would covenant with God to just stop talking about people, what a blessing that would bring into our lives. I've heard testimonies of people who have a husband and wife that covenanted not to talk about anybody and the blessing that flowed into their home and life. I've, I've, I've many, many, many different stories I could tell you about this. But when we, when we covenant with God, and we should do it, we should write it down, make a covenant, make a signed, sealed covenant. Now, okay, I am just going to stop that. I'm not going to talk negatively about others. I'm going to stop it because you know what we do when we do that? We do that exercise called jumping to conclusions. And when we jump to conclusions about others, we're usually dead wrong. Things are not always what they seem. You know, we look at a situation and we go, whatever, we come to whatever the conclusion is. (laughs) And then maybe one day you find out firsthand something and you go, oh, I was dead wrong. It hasn't happened. So when are we going to learn to stop doing that? We need to make a covenant with God before God. I am not going to do that anymore. I'm going to love people as you love them. I'm not going to jump to conclusions. I don't know the whole story. Then had that in, there's that Indian proverb, right? Not to judge a person until you walk the mile in their shoes or whatever, right? Same idea. They don't, that's exactly, and they don't even have, they don't, that's right, and they don't even give you the accurate information half the time. And so we really have got a covenant to stop, to stop. Our life would be so enriched and so blessed as soon as we stop talking about other people. And brothers and sisters in Christ. That's right, that's right, that's right, because then if somebody hears you say something, then so they pick it up, and by the time they tell it to the next person, it's already embellished and worse than what you said, and on and on and on it goes. We live in a small community here. That's more is is more important than 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 even if you live in a big city, because here everybody is knows everybody's business, and everybody's connected to one another, and really it's just the godly thing to do is to stop. And not not talk evil or negative against people. Everybody's we're in life together. We're in the same boat. We're all struggling together. Our struggles may be different. You may struggle with different things. You may have situations in your life that are different from mine. Of course, we all do. Every situation is a little different. Doesn't mean that just because you see a smile on somebody's face that everything is hunky dory. There's always a life is a struggle. Life is a struggle for everyone. How we react to it, how we respond to it, is always our choice. So we must not ever assume things about one another that aren't true. We have to try and remember we're all brothers and sisters struggling together. That's what makes it, makes it should have us uh, increase our passion to be kind and love one another because we never know the struggle that the, that the next person is going through or what the grief of their heart may be. And so that means we should handle one another with love. It says that in Ephesians, doesn't it? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, because he forgave us. And that's all. That's all we that's 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 bottom line. Pure religion, verse 27, and undefiled 
before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. There you go. There's this practical application, okay? In other words, don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. And that means that if we see a brother or sister in need, that we do something about it within reason, within our means. Okay, we can't, we don't, we're not all millionaires here, so we can't, uh, God doesn't expect us to do what we can't, what we can't with that in our means. But often there's a, 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 a small way that we can, even if it's just to come alongside and encourage the person or give them a little phone call or, or, you know, there's, there's, there's many, many ways that we can bless and encourage one another in practical ways. Sometimes we can meet a physical need. We have two coats and they don't have any, so we can give them one. You know, stuff like that. Sometimes we have that extra something and, and we can bless somebody materially. And God will show us. God will show us, okay? This doesn't mean that we should allow people to abuse us. Okay, verse chapter 3. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. In other words... Don't be telling everybody what to do. <laughs> Again, it's just a human nature thing, you know? We think we know what everybody ought to be doing. Well, if this person would just do that, and that person would just do this, you know, then their life would be... If they would just do this, that, and the other thing, well, all we need to do is figure that out for ourselves. We don't need to figure that out for everybody else under the sun. <laughs> And again, you know, again, you know, each person has a temperament and a way God has wired us. And so, you know, we can look at them and say, man, if they would just do such and such, well, God has to get, lead them and guide them and teach them. We are just responsible for what goes on in our own hearts and lives. For in many things, we offend all. In other words, none of us are perfect. Ooh, was that a revelation? If any man offends not in word, the same is a perfect man able also to bridle the whole body. Whoa! <laughs> oh boy. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, the ships also, though they be so great, are driven of the fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter! A little fire kindleth, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Wow. For every kind of beasts and of birds, serpents, things in the sea, are tamed and has been tamed, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God, or in the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing, my brethren. These things ought not so to be. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, 
There was confusion and every evil work, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Wow. Tall order, right? Tall order. Mm-hmm. What is it saying there? You know, every animal it's saying that we, known to man can pretty much be tamed, except for the tongue. Wow. Yes, yes. That's what he's saying here, right? Is that we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't tame it ourselves. So we need the power of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit's been outpoured. It's been given. The Father is a, has poured it upon us. And so we have this wonderful resource. Now we can say, Holy Spirit, I can't, I can't change in this area, but you can come and help me, check me, remind me before I open my mouth and say, <laughs> spurt out my um, magnificent opinion. Just remind me, give me that little check that I'll, I'll slow it, slow it down a notch. Run it through a filter first. <laughs> Run it through the filter of the Holy Spirit. It comes out better, doesn't it? comes out better. We have a wonderful filter. You know, this is, good, this is the good news. So the Holy Spirit is like a filter that can certainly help us in this, in this area. And it says that our tongue can actually set fires that are, that are like setting fires from hell. That's pretty serious, isn't it? Anyway, um, God wants it to be a pure, pure fountain so that we're not, it's not a double not, we're not two-tongued, as they say, right? When you're with a person, everything's sweetness and light. As soon as you turn, turn and walk away, we know we have this in our world, right? Uh, you're talking about how terrible they are. This is not godly. This is not what God wants for us. He wants something better than that for us. And you know, in the little film Bambi, uh, the mother rabbit says to the thumper, if you can't say anything good, then don't say nothing at all. <laughs> It's a good lesson to be learned there, right? <laughs> so if you can't say nothing good, just button it. All right. And it says that we're wise if we show that it, there's wisdom. It, 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 it shows, it demonstrates to those around us that God lives in us. You hear me pray that sometimes, that our living will shout to the world around us that God is alive and well. How does that happen? Well, when they see a person who's not backstabbing and doing all the things that everybody else is doing and speaking evil of, of, of the boss and of this one and that one and the other one, you know, it's easy to fall into that. But when you're not doing that, it demonstrates, your living demonstrates that God is really, oh, God is living inside there. Something's different. She doesn't talk like we talk. She doesn't join in when we, when we're talking about this, that, and the other thing. Well, that demonstrates. And so God is looking for the transfer learning. The transfer learning. This is important to God. And some people say, oh, you know, that's too hard. It can't, you can't live that. Well, no, that's what God expects, actually. So it's in a, it's in a husband-wife relationship. If you can, you can go, go to work, go out of the house, go to the market and be complaint. You hear people. Complaining about the wife and complaining about the husband and oh all all men are the same yeah, same yeah, lazy bums you know women are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right well you know we gotta we gotta cut that off 
we got to cut that off if we're going to walk with God. Because what are we doing? We're we're just cutting each other down. We're harming one another, and, and it absolutely harms harms one another. Absolutely. Amen. And that's what our Amen. That's what our life should be a praise and a glory to God. But we have to participate in that process, don't we? It, we really do. We really do. I've, I've told you that story before too, maybe, but when I was 15, going on 16, I got to work at the camp where I had been in the camp program for many years. You could, you could, then you could be like a waitress or, you know, junior counselor or whatever. I was a waitress. And um, the girls I was with, they were all complaining, complaining, complaining. Everything was wrong, and the bathrooms weren't this, and the showers weren't that. And the, and I loved the camp. I loved the camp with all my heart. When I came home, I was compl- I I was thinking, I, I came home and I was like, oh yeah, I can't wait to get home. And I was thinking, hmm, I never was like that before. I always loved the camp. What happened? What was different? And then we started to have staff meetings for the next year, and we we were in the book of Acts where they they were complaining. The Grecians were complaining about their widows who weren't being serviced. And the Lord started to deal with my heart and say, "It was you. It wasn't was you. It was you. You loved the camp. It was nothing different about the camp. It was you." I was like, "Yeah, guilty as charged." <laughs> All right, so Lord, if you'll help me, I won't do that this year. And that next year, I roomed with a girl from the Midwest, and we had to move every two weeks. But I determined she wasn't going to hear me complain. And one day, about three-quarters of the way through, she was on the road talking to somebody else, and and I was coming coming by, and, and that person said something jokingly to her about me. And she said, oh, no. Ruth Joy never, I never heard Ruth Joy complain. And I was like, oh, praise you, Jesus. <laughs> that was a change. That was different. And really and truly, it just, it, it blesses you more than even anybody else, but it blesses others too. And so we just have to con- make a consecration and do, do this. And it, we're not, again, left to ourselves. Jesus helps us every step of the way. Then we have at the end of James um, that example about, or, or it talks to us about praying. Above all things, my brethren, swear not by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay nay. You shouldn't have to be saying, oh, I swear on a stack of Bibles as high as the Empire State Building. Your word should be good. <laughs> if you say yes, it means yes. If you say no, it means no. And again, you know, you don't you don't have to worry about that if if you're living in truth. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Here has to do with our words again. You know, when you're when you when you don't feel good, you don't feel like singing and, and praising. And, and but this is what we're told to do. And the words, our words, have an effect. Doctors, there's some doctors who will even tell you this that patients who have good cheer and laugh and and and. They mend better. It heals because the Bible says a merry heart does good like medicine. So our attitude, our attitude and the words of our mouth. If you're always one foot in the grave and oh poor me and oh I'm never, it's never been worse and I'm, I'm doing terrible. Well, you are. You are. And that's, that's, that's the way it is. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. 
The prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Lord shall raise him up. If he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven. Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You know, again, a concept that people just don't want to want to even think about, never mind talk about. <laughs> Confess your faults to one another. If you, you know, if you feel like you're struggling with something, not getting an answer, and there's there's something that needs to be confessed. You know, sometimes we need to go to one another and say, you know, I'm sorry. That was wrong. I shouldn't have said that, or I shouldn't have done that, or whatever. It's it's it. That's humility. That's we need to be humble enough to to do that with one another. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. It, good help again flows. Okay, and the effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so it tells us that we're heard. Our words can be heard if we're effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man like us, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it didn't rain. He prayed again that heaven gave rain. That's really something. Think about that. You know, it didn't rain for months because of his praying. You know, we forget how powerful and the access that we have with boldness to the throne room of heaven. And just because we don't see the answer to next minute doesn't mean the answer is not on the way. And so we have to remind ourselves of that. That's right. The answers are coming. They're on the way. Many things in this room, if we went around, we could have quite a list, I'm sure, of things that we've prayed for and perhaps are still waiting for the answer to manifest. But it's on the way. Like Daniel of old, you know, he prayed and the angel was delayed. He was detained. He was in combat. The angel, the angel came with the answer, was sent immediately with the answer. But 21 days later, he finally got through. He had been in spiritual combat. We forget this, that there's spiritual combat, spiritual warfare going on. He was resisted by evil, and he had to fight through to get the answer to Daniel, who had prayed three weeks ago and needed the answer three weeks ago. But the answer came. And so we forget that the spirit realm is not in time zone, in our time zone. (laughs) And God hears us when we pray, and we must know that. God hears us, and he sends the answer. It says, the Bible says that more than one time. If you know that he hears you, then you have the petitions that you've asked of him. End of story. So we need to learn to start saying, thank you, I know the answer is on the way. And then pray that the spirit realm that the, the answer will be able to get through to us. That's where our prayers have to be focused then, is against the evil that is trying to keep it from being coming through. All right, let's just, um, we have five more minutes, so let's go to the beginning of Peter and look at First Peter one twenty three. Here we have it again in 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is grass, all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower thereof faileth away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. The word is incorruptible. The word is not going to die. Mm-hmm. 
planted seed, you plant the word seed of the word of God. It doesn't die. You may not see the crop tomorrow, but it doesn't die. And I've seen this. I've seen this. I've seen it in lives and hearts of young people, children that came through our church in, in Elizabeth. Years later, one there was one guy came one Sunday night, 30 years later, and he talked about how he had been helped as a little child and my grandmother had wiped his nose and the there were, in his family, there were like, I don't know how many people that, 30 or 40 people that were now following the Lord and saved. And it was an incorruptible seed that was planted in that yet little boy's heart that bore fruit many years down the road. And so we've all planted seeds. Don't ever give up on that seed because the word, the seed of the word of God, it doesn't die. It's incorruptible. It's eternal. Last. And so you may not see the results in people's lives. That We all have loved ones that we go, oh, are they ever going to get it? What's it going to take? Just remember, if you've planted good seed, if you've planted the seed of the Word of God, it's somewhere along the line. It's incorruptible. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's incorruptible seed planted in my son's life, in my daughter's life, in whoever's life. I know it's going to come to fruition. I know it's going to sprout up one of these days. I know that it's going to bear fruit because it's incorruptible. It's incorruptible. As we start to walk in this, we start to see results. I'm sorry, people, but that's the way it works. That's the way it works. Instead of moaning and groaning and, oh, my goodness, I don't know. No, we've got to say, we've got to line up with God's word and say, I know. I know, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded. It's incorruptible. It's not like, you know, when you when you plant natural seeds, well, most of the time something does come up. There's life in that little seed, isn't there, if you water it and feed it. Once in a while you get one that doesn't work. But God's word, there's no there's no room for, there's no wiggle room, right? His word is, is there's life in it. It's great. It's incorruptible. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Lord, we're so thankful that your word is incorruptible. It's changed our lives and we want it to continue to change our living, Lord, so that we line up with your word, speak your truth, and transfer it into our everyday living, Lord. Thank you that you help us every step of the way. Bless the rest of this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.